All right, Shabbosai, good morning. Let us begin. Let's begin by thanking our sponsors for this morning's shirt. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Cheshvan. Mayor and Rachel Gold for dedicating all of the Shi'urim and Drashos this month. Remember, Yonah Tzvi, Ben Yosef Chaim Alazar Cohen. And to thank Noam and Leah Efron in honor for dedicating the Shurman Drashos this month in honor of and celebration of the 98th birthday of Noam's grandfather, Yosef Herschel Ben Mordechai Halevi, who I have been informed is actually his birthday today. So, Baruch Hashem, Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov, and our Dafyomi, our sheer sponsors for today, Greg and Rachel Levitan, for the Shloshim of Greg's mother, Esther Levitan, Esther Bas Herschel. We hope that in the merit of our Tamatora, the Nisham will have an Aliyah and the family in Nechama. With that, let us begin. We have a lot to do today, and today is our catch-up day. Today is when we join the rest of the world of Dafyomi in the regular schedule. So, say, so today's Daf is Yudas. But we are starting on Yudchas Amud Beis, and we are starting at the fir- at the end of the first wide line. So, if you remember again, yesterday we left off by dissecting the pasuk in Zechariah, where the Navi goes ahead and discusses a number of different fast days: the Tzom Aravii, the Tzom Achamishi. So we're continuing to go through that list. So the Gemara says Tzom Ashvii. What is the seventh fast day? Now, second wide line: Zeg Gimel B'Tishrei. This refers to the third of Tishrei. Shebo Nerag Bo Gidalia Ben Achikam. What we call Tzom Gidalia. Tzom Gidalia. What happened on the third of Tishrei? Gidalia Ben Achikam was assassinated. Umi Hargu. Who killed Gidalia Ben Achikam? A man by the name of Yishmael Ben Nisanya. Another Jew. Now, just to understand, Gidalia Ben Achikam, this is right after the destruction of the first base Hamikdash. So Gedaliah ben Achikam was a governor who was installed by Nebuchadnezzar, representing some level of Jewish autonomy. With the assassination of Gedaliah ben Achikam, the Jewish situation becomes much more compromised. So therefore, again, they instituted a fast day, the third of Tishrei. And it teaches us an important lesson. Now, what's interesting about this is, as we're going to see, we've already seen, that ultimately, again, there's a fast of Tishabov, right? Destruction of Yisrael Mikdash, and the fast of Tzom Gidaya, the assassination of a tzaddik, to which the Gemara tells us that we see from here that the loss of tzaddikim is as traumatic as the loss of the Beis HaMikdash. A very profound statement. So we'll say, why are we calling Gimel B'Tishrei the seventh fast day? The seventh fast day. Because we'll say, once again, what we begin to see is in this Pasuk, the way we're tracking time is how? From Chodesh Nisan. From Chodesh Nisan. So Tishrei is the seventh month from Chodesh Nisan. Tzoma Asiri. What's the tenth fast? Za'asara B'Teves. This refers to the tenth of Teves. So this is when Nebuchadnezzar laid siege to Yerushalayim. So here we have, you know, an explicit Pasuk, which indicates to us that Yerushalayim is besieged on the 10th of on the 10th of Teves. So once again, Why are you calling Teves the 10th month? Once again, we see this theme, that these months are being reckoned according to Nisan. So the Gemara says, So we'll say, here's what's interesting in all of this. If you notice, by the way, the Tzom HaAsiri, right? So the 10th fast is Asara Beteves. Even though, technically speaking, Asara Bateves is actually the first event that occurred chronologically, right? If you think about this, these dates seem all, are all out of chronological order. So why are they recorded the way that they're recorded in the Pasuk? Because the Novi chooses to record, is very interesting, the Novi chooses to record the fast days in accordance with what we'll call calendrical chronological order, even though that's different than historical chronological order. So that's how the Navi chooses. So everything is being tracked from Nisan, and we choose to record the events in accordance to how they happened from Nisan. Vani, any Omer came, but he said, me, I hold a little bit differently. 
I hold a little bit different. I hold a little bit differently. Ella, Ella, Tsomha Asiri. See, he has a different way of dashing the Pasik. What's Tsomha Asiri? What's the 10th fast day? Zechamisha Beteves. This ultimately again refers to the 5th of Teves. Now, what happened on the 5th of Teves? Shebo, because remember again, all the Pasik says is the 10th fast day. So we know we're tracking time, we're tracking time from Nisan. So therefore, I know that the 10th month from Nisan is going to be Teves. I know that. But interestingly, Rabbi Shimon says it doesn't refer to the 10th of Teves. It refers to the 5th of Teves. What happened on the 5th of Teves? This is incredible. Shebo basa shmua legola shuhuk sa'ir. Apparently on the 5th of Teves, the diaspora communities got word that Yerushalayim had fallen. And the day that they heard that Yushalayim had fallen, they made that day into a fast day, just like the day the base of was destroyed. Rabbi Shimon says, I think my approach is better than Rabbi Akiva. Why? Shani Omer al Rishon Rishon, Valachron Achron. Because according to me, Rabbi Shimon says, the Pasuk follows historical chronological order. Vahu Omer al Rishon Achron, Valachron Rishon. Whereas Rabbi Akiva's model, where, whereas there's calendrical order, or calendrical chronological order, there is no historical chronological order. Okay? Elashu Mona Lesedar Chadashim. Because Rabbi Akiva felt it's more important than the Pasuk to go according to the calendar or calendrical chronological order based on Nisan being the first month. But I go ahead and feel that it's more important to preserve the historical chronology. Okay, so I will say, see, interestingly enough, they're pretty much agreeing on all the same fast days. The one Machlokes, one Machlokes seems to be about the fast day in Teves. Now, Rabbi Shimon will agree that there is an Asar of the Teves, right? That there is a fast day of Asar of the Teves. But interestingly enough, he holds that that is not referred to in the Pasuk over here. He holds that the fast day of Teves is actually another fast day, that the truth is until we learned Rosh Hashanah of Chesim we never knew existed, which is a, a, a fast day of Hebet Teves. Hebet Teves. And the fast day of Hebet Teves is the day when we found out that Yerushalayim had fallen. Incredible. Itmar. So we'll say, now that we're talking about fast days, this leads me to another question. They both said, Butla Megillas Tainis. So we'll say, what's Megillas Tainis? Take a look at Rashi. Butla Megillas Tainis. This is incredible. So we'll say, Megillas Tainis. When you hear the word Megillas, or you hear the name Megillas Tainis, you assume that it is a book filled with Fast days, right. So just the opposite. It's a book that's filled with days that you're not allowed to fast. Why are you not allowed to fast? Because miracles occurred on these days. Some type of miraculous activity. Yomim Tovim Shekabu Chachamim. Megillah's Tainis is filled with what we'll call minor holidays. Minor Yomim Tovim that Chazal established Ayedenisim She'iru Bahem. Because of miracles that occurred on these days. Va'asrum Betainis. And therefore, again, because these days had a yumptive identity, you're not allowed to fast on them. The Yeshman af behespid, the kasum, the Megillah achos, all in yom and all this anabahon. Achshav shechar, so now listen to this. So now, the, so Megillah's Tainus was a book of days, minor yamim tovim, which were recorded ultimately again because of small miracles that had occurred on those days, and you're not allowed to fast on it. Shabbosai, such a beautiful idea. Think about this for just a moment. Imagine if you were to compose your own Megillah's Tainus, right? Think about it, and you go through life, there are little miracles that occur each and every day. And imagine if a person recorded those miracles in their own Megillah's Tainus. Make your own Megillah's Tainus. These are the miracles that occurred for me. Wouldn't it be incredible to see what we say in Modim every single day? People have this, you know, sometimes people keep like a gratitude journal. But the truth is, more than just a, more than just a gratitude, Ashkacha Pratis journal, right? More, more, more than just even a gratitude, Ashkacha Pratis, a miracle journal. Because the truth is, maybe not every day, but certainly many days, there are mamish miracles that HaKadosh Baruch Hu does for us. Again, like I mentioned before, we said in Modim, we thank Hashem for the miracles 
that he does for us each and every day. So Chazal were acutely aware of this. Now this is obviously talking about more on a national level. But they had this Megillah Steinus. They had this Steinus, a day filled with miraculous events. And on those days, we don't fast. So the, we'll say, so the Shail is now like this. What happens to Megillah Steinus after the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed? Do these days still retain their Yom Tov identity or not? This is a Machlokas. Itmar, Rav of Rabbi Hanina, Amri, Batli, Megillah Steinus. Rav and Rabbi Hanina say that Allah now that the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, so these days are no longer holidays, which will say effectively means what? Effectively means what? That Allah you could fast on these days and you could eulogize on these days. Right? That, that's, that's what it means when I say Batla, Megillah, Steinus. It means that the days no longer have a yumptive identity, and therefore you could fast, you could eulogize. So that's Rabbi Mechanin, Rabbi Yochan, Rabbi Yishom, and Lakish. Right? So Rabbi Yochan, Rabbi Yishom, Lakish say, Lo batla Megillah Steinus. No, even in the aftermath of the Chorban, Megillah Steinus, these days still retain their yumptive identities. Rabbi Yishom, by the way, lest you think that you never heard of anything in Megillah Steinus, there are days like Purim, and days like Hanukkah, that are from Megillah's Tainus. Remember again, Purim Chanukah, I mean, Purim a little bit different because Purim has a Megillah, right? But even Megillah's Esther is after the close of Nevuah. So again, these, so we'll see this inside. So Rav Rabbi Chanina, Amri Batal Megillah's Tainus. So also listen to this. So Rav Rabbi Chanina hold that Megillah's Tainus is void after the Chorban. These days no longer retain their Yom Tov identity. Hachikomer, this is what they mean to say. So this is, what, this is their Svarah. Bizman shalom simcha. When there is shalom, when there is shalom, and ultimately again, they are identifying shalom as the presence of the Beis HaMikdash. When there is shalom, these days are for celebration, and therefore you can't fast on them. Ain shalom, ain shalom, tzom. Supposed to, just like we said before, remember again, how did, remember when we spoke about the fast days, espoused in the, in the Navi Zechariah. So remember we had a contradiction. What was the contradiction? The Navi calls it a Tzom, the Navi calls it a Yom Moed. So remember again, one of the, one of the ways you reconciled this before was saying when there's a Beis HaMikdash, they're fast days. I'm sorry, they're not fast days. When there's no Beis HaMikdash, they are fast days. Rav and Rabbi Hanina, Rav, Rav and Rabbi Hanina apply that same model to Megillah's Tainus. When there's a Megillah's Tainus, well, I'm sorry, when there's a Beis HaMikdash, the days are Yom Tovim. Ultimately, again, when there is no base hamikdash, when there is no base hamikdash, they're just plain ordinary days. So the Gemara says as follows: Vahanach na mikiani. Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Shimon ben Levi Amr. So what about Rabbi Yochanan and Rish Lakish? What do they hold? They hold no batla migilas tainus. They hold no migilas tainus was never voided and negated. Why not? So hani who did talim rechman of binyan base hamikdash? Avahanach kidekai mikai It's only the fast days. Where the Navi and Zechariah links them to the Beis Hamikdash, but the days in Megillah's Tainus, why are they link to the Beis Hamikdash? In other words, once Chazal established them as what we we'll call minor Yamim Tovim, where I both say, I just want to point out the only manifestation of the Yom of identity on the on the days in Megillah's Tainus is what is what you can't fast, you can't fast, you can't eulogize. It's not like there's anything more dramatic. So Rabbi Yochanan Rishlakish will say. The Chazal never made that dependent on the Beis HaMikdash. That was everything about the Beis HaMikdash. Therefore, Halacha Lamaisa, even in the absence of the Beis HaMikdash, those days will still remain. So I will say, this is the fundamental machlokas between Rav, Rabbi, Rabbi Hanina on one side, Rabbi Yochanan Shlakish on the other side. And after the Chorban, do the Yamim Tovim of Megillah's Tainus endure or not? See, here we go. Master Rav Kana, Rav Kana raised the Kasha. Here we go. One time, they went ahead and they established a fast day on Hanukkah in Lud. Right? As I mentioned before, Hanukkah is one of the Yom Tovim mentioned in Megillah's Tainis. So they declared a fast day in Lud. So in public protestation of the fast day, went to the bathhouse. Publicly went to the bathhouse. I mean, not publicly went to the bathhouse. Publicly entered into the bathhouse. Bathed in private, right? Publicly went, right? Entered into the bathhouse. To show that Allah, the declaration of the fast was wrong and inappropriate. Rabbi Yeshua, Siper. Rabbi Yeshua got a haircut. Also, in public defiance of the fast because they felt the declaration of a fast on Hanukkah was incorrect. 
and they said to the populace, Now you guys have to fast because you fasted. Which means what? You made a mistake by fasting on Hanukkah. You have to fast now to go and atone for your mistake. So, we'll say, so therefore, what do you see? This was after the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. After the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. And therefore, Allah Chalamaisa, Allah Chalamaisa, because Rashi says over here, how do we know? Vyar Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer, Yeshua, Acher Churban Habayus Havu, to be Emei Rabbi Yochanan Ben Zakai Rabbam Charev Charabayus. So, we'll say, this is incredible. This is Rabbi Eliezer Ben Horkinus who was one of the Talmidim of Hakim of, of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. So already, again, the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed. So this event is occurring after the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. They're making, the populace is making a, they, they declared a public fast day during Hanukkah. Because obviously, the people felt that once there's no Beis HaMikdash, there's no Megillah's Tainis, therefore Hanukkah is no longer a Yom Tiv. Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua said, you're wrong. The Hanukkah is still a Yom Tif, even in the aftermath of the Chorban Beis HaMikdash because Megillah's Tainus is still intact. So the Rishon says, this is not really a good proof. I'm Rabbi Yosef, shiny Hanukkah. Hanukkah is a little bit different. Right? Hanukkah is different than the rest of the Yom Tovim in Megillah's Tainus. Why? Di'ika Mitzvah. Ultimately, again, because Rabbi say Hanukkah has a mitzvah associated with it. So because it has a mitzvah, it makes sense that even if Megillah's Tainus technically was bottle, Hanukkah would not be bottle because the people got used to performing a mitzvah associated with the end. Amra Baye, Viti Batal Ihi, Viti Batal Mitzvah. So, so what? If the Yom Tov is bottle, the mitzvah could be bottle as well. Allah Amra Yosef, Shiny Hanukkah, Timefarsim Nisa. Hanukkah is different. Well, this is always the answer of a Hanukkah, right? Hanukkah is different. Why? Persume Nisa. Persume Nisa. Hanukkah has an element of publicizing the miracle. So because I look at Rashi, the Mepharsim Nisa, Kivar hu goli l'chol Yisrael, ayedei shenagu ba mitzos, v'echziku ba kishal Torah, v'noolachon levatlo. Since Hanukkah has such a public performance, right? Because remember again, the way ideally to light near Hanukkah is to kindle it outdoors. There is presuming Nisa. There's so much publicity associated with Hanukkah. It would be, it, it almost becomes, Rashi says, it almost becomes like a mitzvah from the Torah. And therefore, again, it's inappropriate to be mavatalit. So therefore, I will say, here's what we, here's what we settle on. Hanukkah indoors. Okay, so everyone will agree that Hanukkah indoors. But just because Hanukkah indoors does not automatically mean that what? The rest of Megillah's tainus is intact even after Chorban Beis HaMikdash. So let's go weiter. Mose, Rav Acha Barhuna, so this is incredible. Rav Acha Barhuna raised another kasha. What was his kasha? Bitlosa betishrei batilas adkarta min shtaria. On the third of Tishrei, something interesting happened, that they were successful in negating or taking out the name of God from Shtaros. I will say, now what does this mean? Take a look at Rashi. So let me give you the back. This is actually a good thing. Listen to the background of this. Here we go. The, the, Greek, the Greek government, the Greek monarchy made a rule. And what was the rule upon the Jewish population? You cannot utter the name of God. You cannot utter the name of your God. That's what they declared. When the Chashmonaim, the Maccabim, the Maccabim, the Chashmonaim, overcame the Syrian Greeks, the Chashmonaim, the Greeks, had outlawed the use of the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You were not allowed to say it, not allowed to use it. The Chashmonaim, when they won, instituted something to swing the pendulum in the other direction, which was... You have to use the name of Hashem for everything. Even in what? Even in your documents. Even in your documents. For example, the So what they would say is, it's, by the way, it's interesting over here that there's a lot of discussion about this, is that they were dating, they were dating the Shtaros in accordance with the reign of the Kohen Gadol of the Kohen Gadol, which is quite interesting. I will say, you know, in general, there is a lot of machlokis regarding the Hashmonoim about their monarchy. Because the Hashmonoim were Kohanim, 
Rukhahanim. Malchus does not come from Shevet Levi, right? Monarchy doesn't come from Levi. Malchus comes from Shevet Yehuda. There's a fundamental machlokis Ram, Rambam and Ramban about whether or not the Hashemonoim did the right thing by seizing the monarchy. Again, unfortunately, the Hasmonian monarchy unravels a number of years in, but there's a fundamental machlokis. Did they do the right thing by taking the monarchy? So I, I don't know if it's just during their reign that they dated it according to Yochanan Kondo, whatever it is. The point over here is, they instituted even when you go and you date the star. You have to date the star. This is the following year of the reign of Yochanan Kohen Gadol, Lekel Elyon. So that's what they instituted. Now watch this. When the Chachamim heard about this, and the Chachamim heard about this, they said this is a terrible idea. Because what's going to happen? What's going to happen? It's beautiful. You want to include the name of Hashem, the Kel Elyon in your star. What's going to happen? Ruvain lends Shimon $1,000. Shimon's going to pay back the $1,000. What happens to the loan document when, when you pay it back? The borrower gets it back. And what does he do with it? Tears it up. He's going to throw it in the garbage. So the Chachamim say, what, what, what did you do? What did you do? So somebody's going to throw out a loan document that has the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So what happened? And the Chachamim were finally successful in uprooting this Hasmonian decree. Okay? So now I will say, so this is the Chachamim having good intentions, wanting to reinstill within the people a reverence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Chachamim saying, the Chachamim saying, bad idea, bad idea. And therefore, it took them a while to uproot this practice. When they finally uproot this practice, so the Gibar says, And they uprooted it. When were they able to uproot it? When were they able to uproot it? Interestingly enough, on the 3rd of Tishrei. On the 3rd of Tishrei, just a number of incredible lessons over here. How sometimes in life, even when we think we have a great idea, it's always good to have someone to bounce your ideas off of. Right? Because even something that sounds great and sounds holy and sounds wonderful to me, to be able to bounce something off someone whose opinion I respect, maybe with a little bit more life wisdom than I have, is always an incredible thing. Because sometimes even things that come from the purest of motivations are just not the best of ideas. That's Aleph. Bez, what do you see? You see that even in the world of Ruchmius, moderation is incredibly important. Right? The key to success in life, even in spirituality, is moderation. That if you try to go too far, try to do too much, too quickly, you end up making mistakes. The Hashmonoim are desperate to bring God back into daily life. So they jump. And what do they do? They bring HaKadosh Baruch Hu everywhere. Everywhere. Even in Shtaris. Beautiful intention. But wrong. But wrong. When you try to do too much, too fast, too quickly, even in Ruchnius, it backfires. But Rebbe brings down, he says, this is why Yaakov Avinu, when he has his dream about Sula Musav his first interaction with HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a ladder. Hey, it's a famous vart. Why a ladder? Because the only way to scale a ladder is one rung at a time. In Ruchnius, if we want to really be successful, you don't go from zero to 60 in under, I don't know how, what is fast considered to whatever. And under, uh, you know, a, a minute, whatever, six seconds, whatever it is, right? You, you can't go ahead. I drive a Toyota, okay? Right? So, right? So, right? So, so ultimately, you can't do that. It's one rung at a time. One rung at a time. And that ultimately, again, is how you're successful. An incredible Moser. So the Gemara says, one second. So Moser, if you hold that Megillah's Tainus was bottle, Kamaisa Bittol. Remember again, if you hold that Megillah's Tainus is bottle, right? If all Megillah's Tainus is bottle, so then why would the rabbis be adding on additional Yom Tovim, right? So now remember again, they're adding on an additional Yom Tov now on the 3rd of Tishrei. Now granted, interesting enough, the 3rd of Tishrei is already a fast day, but again, that kind of makes sense because Halacha Lamaisa, fast day of Gedalia ben Achikam, so Gedalia was bottle, this is during times the second base of Mikdash. Right, so remember again, if you assume that Megillah's Tainus was bottled already after the first base on Mikdash, so why are they adding on new days? To which the says, no, no, no. This is the answer. No, no, no. Remember the story. The base on Mikdash is standing. This is when the Chashmolan conquered the Syrian Greeks. This is Bizman Bayeshevi. The base on Mikdash is still standing for another couple of hundred years after this. So top of your test, but one second. The Seifuklei. The Seifuklei. The Havai Yom Shenerak Bogadai Ben Achikam. Whoa, 
So if the base of Mikdash is still standing and Megillah's Tainus is still in effect, that means this, that means the fact, so t- look at Rashi, if it's safe, okay, now listen to this, watch this. So you're telling me, no, 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 Megillah's Tainus for sure is intact and they could even, excuse me, add on additional days because the base of Mikdash is standing. Whoa. If the base of Mikdash is standing, Rabosai, what happens to the fast days mentioned in the Navi Zechariah? What happens to the fast days mentioned? They don't fast. They're Yamim Tovim. If that's the case, Gimel Tishrei, which was Tzom Gidalia, is what? Already a Yamtiv. It's already a Yamtiv. So if it's already a Yamtiv, why do you have to make it into another Yamtiv? It's the days that the Chachamim were able to stop people from putting Shem Hashem in their Shtar. Right? So ultimately, it's already a Yamtiv because it's, it's not Tzom Gidalia. In other words, I was like, I just want to point out, when the Beis HaMikdash stands, it's not just the Pshat that the fast days aren't fast days. Remember again, what does the Navi say? It's a moed. It becomes a yamtiv. So I want to, it's not just that I don't fast. It's that it's transformed into a yamtiv, which means I'm, already not, I'm, not, I'm not allowed to fast. So if that's the case, that some gida is already a yamtiv, what are chazal being mosif? To which the gemara says, Amr Av lo nitzucha elesor es shalafanov. Now says, this is very interesting. Look at Rashi lo nitzucha. Hadda hadda kavob migilas tainis al davar zeh ela leesor esmo kamhu betainis kidamina lekamei. Both listen to this. This is fascinating. The days of Megillah's Tainus are days in which minor miracles occur. Therefore, Chazal decreed that those days should be treated like Yamtiv. But in order to go ahead and concretize and solidify their Yamtiv identity, they also decreed that you can't fast the day before these days as well. Right? So, for example, right? So, let's say they decide that the 22nd of Cheshvan is a Yamtiv. A miracle occurred on the 22nd of Cheshvan. Right? It's a miracle occurring on the 22nd of Cheshvan. So they, they include that in Megillah's Tainus. Because of that, you're not allowed to fast when? The 21st of Cheshvan as well. So this is so fascinating. So the Gemara says like this. When the Beis HaMikdash stands, so the 3rd of Tishrei, which was what? Son Gedalia becomes a Yamtiv. But it's only that day that becomes a Yamtiv. But by kind of superimposing another layer of, of Yom Tiv on top of the third of Tishrei and calling it the day that Chazal were able to uproot the use of Shem Hashem in Shtaros and including that Yom Tiv now in Megillah's Tainus, that not only impacts the third of Tishrei, what else does it impact? Second. The second of Tishrei. Now you can't fast on the second of Tishrei as well. So the Gemara says, One second. You still can't fast on the second of Tishrei. Why not? Now, for us, it's Rosh Hashanah. But remember, again, in a pure model, so the first, the second of Tishrei is not Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is only when? Only when? The first of Tishrei. Right? So, so just let's operate with that model right now. So the, which the Gemara says, but you still can't fast on the second of Tishrei. And I'll tell you why. Because ultimately, again, the second of Tishrei is the day after Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh is also a Yom Tiv, interestingly enough, is also a Yom Tiv. And therefore, again, you can't fast on the day after Rosh Chodesh. Anyway, so we'll say, so in other words, if you're going to tell me you want to infuse the third of Tishrei with a Megillah's Tainus Sanctity so that it impacts the second of Tishrei, the second of Tishrei is already blanketed by a quasi-yumptive status because it's the day after the first of Tishrei, right, which is Rosh Chodesh. To which the Gemara says, no, no, no. Rosh Chodesh Doraisa. The Bible says, it's actually quite amazing. Rosh Chodesh has a yumptive status in Doraisa. I'm going to say, watch this. Watch this. So I'm going to say, we're going to see now. Well, let's see. The Doraisa does not need any bolstering. What does this mean? Desanya, here we go. Any day that is written in Megillah's Tainus, which I'm going to say, so remember again, the days in Megillah's Tainus are days in which minor miracles occurred or major miracles occurred. So Asurim Ben Lifnei Ben Lachreb. So I'm going to say, listen to this. Any day that's in Megillah's Tainus are recorded as a yamtiv. And therefore, you can remember, what's the impact of being a yomtev in Megillah's Tanis? What's the impact? What's the impact? You can't fast. You can't deliver eulogies. Not only that, asurin bein lifneim bein lachareihem. Both the day before the quote-unquote yomtev and the day after the yomtev is also asur in hespid and tainus. You can't eulogize and you can't fast. Shabbosos yomim tovim. Shabbos, I will say, and we're going to see what's the reason for that. Well, well actually, let's see. Shabbos is Yom Tovim, but on Shabbos and Yom Tov, so the Gemara says, Hey Masurin, remember, you also can't fast or eulogize on Shabbos or Yom Tov. Hey Masurin, 
but it's only Shabbos and Yom Tov that are Aser, Lifnim Lacharei Mutarin, but ultimately before Shabbos, or after Shabbos, or before Yom Tov, after Yom Tov, you're allowed to fast, you're allowed to eulogize. Ma Hefresh Bein Zelazah, so we'll say, why is that? Why is that on a Megillah's Tainus Yom Tov, so the, the, essentially the Yom Tov identity extends to the day before the day after, but on Stama Shabbos, truth is, there's no such thing as Stama Shabbos. Right, on a, right, on a, on a Yom Tiv, on a Yom Tiv, right, that the sanctity does not go and extend before and after, to which the answer very simply, Halalu Divrei Torah, Ve'in Divrei Torah Tzrichin Chizuk, Halalu Divrei Sofrim, Ve'divrei Sofrim Tzrichin Chizuk. Right, so it's such a beautiful statement, because Doraisas, Doraisas do not require any level of Chizuk, don't require bolstering. Why? Because people treat them already with a sense of reverence. But the Rabbanon's rabbinic legislation, people don't always treat with a sense of reverence, and therefore they require chizuk. So I will say, this is incredible. So you see what's happening over here? So the same halachas apply to the, to the, to the Yomim Tovim in Megillah's Tainus and to a Shabbos in Yom Tiv. You can't fast, you can't eulogize. Interestingly enough, in Megillah's Tainus, that, that, that's, we'll call it that sanctity, devolves upon the day before and the day after as well. Why? Why? in order to go ahead and solidify the sanctity of the Yom Tov in Megillah's Tainus itself. Rich will say something really incredible, which teaches us that sometimes in order to go ahead and solidify and concretize sanctity, you have to create the buffer before and the buffer after. We learned, we've learned this many times, that Kiddusha comes from the creation of Gidarim. Kiddusha comes, holiness comes from the creation of boundaries. If I live life on the line between Mutter and Asr, Tameh and Tar, inevitably I'm going to fall on the wrong side of that. If I want to preserve the Kiddusha of my life, there has to be Kiddusha Lifnehem, Ula Acharehem. There has to be a buffer of holiness surrounding me so that if I do mess up, I only venture into the buffer and not into the world of the illegal and illicit. Such an incredible yisod. So I will say, so therefore again, we're still trying to, we're still, we're still facing the same question. So exciting. We're still facing the same question, which is, so now you're telling me, Chazal added an additional yomtiv dimension onto the third of Tishrei. Now the third of Tishrei, if it's during the times of the Beis HaMikdash, already has a yomtiv identity, and that's what? Is that it's the unfast day, the unfast day, right? In other words, it was Tom Gidalia, based on Yitash is standing, and now ultimately again, it's Yamtiv. It's Yamtiv. To which the Gemara says, so, so what are you accomplishing by making a new Yamtiv? Oh, we want the Yamtiv identity to devolve on the second of Tishrei and on the fourth of Tishrei as well. So the Gemara first didn't like that because second of Tishrei is already Kaddish because it's the day after Rosh Chodesh. To which we see from here, that no, the only time, the only time that the sanctity of the day kind of goes backwards and forwards is only on rabbinic days, not on biblical days. Because rabbinic days, you need that in order to safeguard the sanctity of the day. And ours, divrei so from tzrich and chizuk, divrei Torah ein tzrich and chizuk. And I both say, probably like an incredible muster for us also. It's probably true, I think it's true, I won't speak for myself, I think I often find this to be true, that the oraisas are not usually the things that we struggle with. Right, right. Most of us, I would assume, are, we're pretty good with the oraisas, the biblical laws. It's the dirabanans that often are challenging. Now, often because they're very specific, often because sometimes it's legislation that we don't necessarily understand or we don't necessarily appreciate the reasoning for. So this is not just like a statement in, 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 the, in the formulation of halacha. It's an incredible yisod in our lives as well. Divrei Torah in Tzrich and Chizuk. I'm pretty good on the dirabanans. Divrei soul from Tzrich and Chizuk. But we can all use Chizuk in the dirabanans. But ultimately, again, go ahead and learn it out from the fact, shouldn't it be, shouldn't it be sanctified because it's the day before Gedalia ben Achikam was assassinated? So remember again, what is that day? The Yom Tiv should be an extra Yom Tiv because it's the day the Gedalia ben Achikam was assassinated. No, what it's saying is, now that the Beis HaMikdash is standing, and that day ultimately is a Yom Tiv, and that day is a Yom Tiv, so therefore, again, that Yom Tov sanctity should devolve upon the second of Tishrei as well. So once again, the Gemara says, Am Ravashi, Gidai ben Achikam, Divrei Kabbalu. The, we'll say, I want to point out the story of Gidai ben Achikam is recorded in the Navi, the Navi Zechariah. So because it's in the Navi, Divrei Kabbalah, it's like a Daraisa. For Divrei Kabbalah, in other words, once it's in Tanakh, once it's in Tanakh, ultimately, again, it has to a certain degree like a biblical status. 
quite incredible. Mastiv Rav Tuvi Bar Masna. So we'll say. So now, so now we're, we're we're still in our basic fundamental issue, which is does do does Megillas does Megillas Tainus is it still in effect? Right? Is it still in effect in the aftermath of the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, or do we say that once the Beis Hamikdash is destroyed, the Yamim Tovim of Megillas Tainus pretty much cease to exist? So here we go, Master Rav Tovi Bar Masno. This is incredible. So listen to this. Be'asim v'tamnia bay. On the 28th. On the 20th. This is about the 28th of Adar, as we're going to see. On the tw- this, we'll say, this is a quote. This is a quotation from Megillah's Tainus. So we'll say, yeah, okay. This is a quotation from Megillah. So much to do. There's the, so on the 28th of Adar. Asa besurta tavsa liyudai. A, a news, right? Besurta tavsa. Came out to the Jews. So what it says, we're going to see on the 28th of Adar, literally it says that a, 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 a good news came out for the Jews that they don't have to separate from Torah. They don't have to separate from Torah. But let's say, listen to this. Now, what, what, what is that? First of all, what a strange yamtiv, right? On the 28th of Adar, we celebrate that we don't have to separate from Torah. Okay, so what does that mean? What's an incredible story? <laughs> the Roman Malchus, Rome, decreed that the Jewish people should not be able to learn Torah. Vishalom, we'll say, you know, I just want to point out, we, we, we're not strangers to this, right? Throughout the ages, we've, we've seen Gezeras like this, that you're not allowed to learn Torah. We'll say, can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? How fortunate we are every single day, we start our day with a blot Gemara. Right? It's such an integral part of our lives. Can, can you imagine a Gezerah that says you're not allowed to learn Torah? You know, I think it's only once a person is really enmeshed in Torah, like Baruch Hashem, we all are, that you begin to realize what that means. That's like someone depriving you of oxygen. That's like someone depriving you of food and water. That's like someone taking a limb from your body. Right? That's what these gzairas mean. So the Grom had decreed that the Jews can't learn Torah. Furthermore, shall I ask Torah? They also decreed on Mila. And you can't keep Shabbos. So they decreed, they decreed, right? No Torah, no Mila, no Shabbos. What did Yehuda ben Shamoa and his friends do? Listen to this. So halchu v'natlo eitzah mimatronisa achos. They went and they, and they went to a certain matronisa. Usually means a noble woman. Matronisa achos shekol gidole romi mitsuyin etzla. They went to a noble woman who all of the noblemen of Rome frequented. I'm sure it was for her advice, right? So so they went right. They, they frequented. And what happened? Amrulahem. So she said to them, she did give them good advice. She said to them, Bo vavginu balayla. Oh, see, listen to what she says to them. She says to them, make a hafgana. Make a hafgana. Go ahead and you have to make a rally. You have to make a rally, right? You have to make a public protest. Hochu balayla. So they made a protest that night. Amru, ishamayim. So they cried out and they, they were saying this to the Romans. They were saying, by God, like the man for God's sake, for God's sake, listen to what they're saying to the Romans. Are we not your brothers? Are we not your brothers? Are we not all the sons of the same father? Right? Yeah, remember, Rome comes from Esau. We come from Yaakov. Ultimately, again, we have the same father, Yitzchak. Do we not all come from the same father? Are we not all from the same mother? From Rivka Imenu. Why do you choose us? Why do you single us out, Rome, from all the other nations and impose upon us such harsh decrees? So the Gemara says, Ubitlum. And ultimately, again, so what happened? It worked. It worked. Right? And Rome negated the decrees. And that day they made it onto both So, it's interesting, by the way. When did they make the Hafkana, right? When did they make the protest? At night. Because there is no greater way to get people to do what you want them to do than sleep deprivation, right? At the end of the day, become a thorn in the side of both sides. This Gemara is a very powerful idea, which is that, which is that, you know, sometimes we think that the job of the Jew 
is to be docile. And the job of the Jew is not to cause too many waves. But the truth is, you know, when we are, especially when we are in diaspora, there is a very careful balance that we have to have. But the Jew also has to know how to stand up, when to stand up, and how to be assertive. And not to take every single thing lying down. And that comes in a variety of different ways. You know, obviously part of, you know, I always feel that, that today when you look at Eretz Yisrael, part of the O's, right? And part of the, part of the Ga'ava Atzma'it is the ability to have a Jewish army, right? Is the ability for Jews to finally defend themselves and stand up for themselves and for the world to recognize that Jews have power, which is an incredible yesod. But I would also say, like, even again, even, even here in diaspora, the need to get involved in advocacy is incredibly important. This is not a plug for APAC, but if it was a plug for APAC, you have to get, you have to get involved. You have to get involved in advocacy and you have to get involved in helping to shape policy because things don't just happen by themselves. A person, a Jew has to stand up for what is right and to live my life and only focus on myself and not worrying about what's going on in the world around me is a shirking of our responsibilities. There's a time for Hafkana. I'm not saying burning tires. I don't think burning tires is ever a good idea. Right? But, but Lamaisa, but Lamaisa, and, and I think, by the way, I just want to go on record as saying the Hafkanot, right, that you often see in Eretz Yisrael are nothing short of the Chil Hashem. Especially, again, when it comes to abusing Jewish police officers, calling people names, and the truth is, you know, protesting over things that, that are not really protests. But that's a different discussion. But it's such an incredible yisod in terms of sometimes you can't just accept the gzera. Sometimes you have to stand up, be counted, and do something. So the Gemara goes right there. So we'll say here they made another yamtiv. 28th of Adar, another yamtiv. Now one second. If you're going to tell me that Megillas Tainis is bottle, so then if those yamtiv are about, they're making new yamtovim, so we'll say this is incredible. Well, maybe this event also occurred when the Beis HaMikdash was standing. To which the Gemara says, no. No, Vaha Yehuda ben Shamua, Tamudosh Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir Basar Hachi Hava. Both say no, because who, who is the person, who is the main character in this story? Yehuda ben Shamua. Both say, you know, one of the lost things we don't have in learning Gemara, and I would venture to say none of us got it in our, even if you had a yeshiva upbringing, is the actual like histor- history of Tanam and Amoraim. When did everyone live? And what's the shalshelas? Maybe we'll start another shir just, just on that because it's, first of all, it's fascinating and it's also so important to understanding Gemara. So Gemara says, who is Yehuda ben Shamua? Yehuda ben Shamua is the Talmud of Rabbi Meir. And ultimately, we'll say, who is Rabbi Meir's Rabbi? Who's Rabbi Meir's? Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva lives in the aftermath of the Churban, which means by the time we get to Yehuda ben Shamua, right, already again, no longer a base. Look at Rashi. Rashi says, Yehuda ben Shamua, I'm actually... No, not yeah, Rabbi Meir. Sorry, Meir Basar Chorban Hava Kamadoros. So Rabbi Meir already lived a couple of generations after the Chorban. Rashi says, Rabbi Meir Rabbi Yochanan Ben Zakai Charvabayis, Rabbi Eliezer Talmidohaya, Rabbi Akiva Talmidosh Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Meir Talmidosh Rabbi Akiva. So both says here have the Shalshal is Rabbi Yochanan Ben Zakai, right? Was the Rabbi. His Talmud was Rabbi Eliezer. His Talmud was Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva's Talmud was Rabbi Meir. And Rabbi Meir's Talmud was, was Yehuda Ben Shamua. So already you're a couple of generations removed from the Reis HaMikdash. So here you have it. Here you have it. They're making new Yamin Tovim after the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. Which must mean that what? Which must mean that what? That Allah HaLemaisa Megillah's Tainis was in existence even after the Khorban. Because if Megillah's Tainis was void, it wouldn't make sense that they're making new Yamin Tovim once Megillah's Tainis was void. So it must be Megillah's Tainis is in effect even after the Khorban. The Gemara just proves, by the way, that, that Yehuda ben Shamua, the Gemara says... The Gemara says, "Ramiras, this nun, please chukish and ikvu vetev lasochan." Everybody says, "Interesting halacha over here." This is just proving just the chronology that we just said before. So, we'll say, if you have a glass utensil, a glass utensil that ultimately became tummy, then you punctured a hole in it. And then what happens? You filled it with lead. You filled it with lead. Someone shiving on the old Yehuda ben Shamua metame mishramir. Yehuda ben Shamua says it's tame. Then I will say we're not going to get into the intricacies of this halacha. But bottom line, what this comes down to is as follows: When you have a glass utensil and you have and it's unfit, and then you fill it with metal and now it becomes fit for use, what is the status of that utensil? Is that a glass utensil or is that a metal utensil? And I will say the nafkamina will be as follows: If the utensil was tame. 
then you made it unfit for use, it's tar. Now you make it refit for use. If it's a metal utensil, it regains its form of law. If it's a glass utensil, it does not. So what happens when you take a glass utensil and you plug it with metal? So, Rabbi, so Yehuda ben Shamua, in the name of Rabbi Meir, says that it's Tameh. That it's Tameh. I'm a base. The Chachamim The Chachamim say, ultimately, again, it is Tahar. Because if I'll say, ultimately, again, what happens over here is that Rabbi Yehuda ben, Yehuda ben Shamua says, since it is filled with metal and metal allows it to exist as a utensil, it is considered to be a metal utensil. It's what we call, we go basar hamaymid. We go after the item which allows the utensil to be usable. The Chacham say no, it still has the status of glass. We also say the only reason Gemara brought that down was why? To show that Yehuda ben Shemua is a Talmud of who? Rabbi Meir, who was a Talmud ultimately again of Rabbi Akiva, who was a Talmud of Rabbi Eliezer, who was a Talmud of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, to once again show that Megillah's Tainus is alive and well even after the Chorban. To which the Gemara says, you're right, Tanoihi. In reality, this whole thing is a machlokes tanoim. This sanya, listen to this. Here you have it. Here you have it. Rabbi Meir holds that Allah the days of, the days of Megillah's Tainus, the Amtom Megillah's Tainus, are considered to be Yamim Tovim, both when the Beis HaMikdash stands and when it does not. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi Omer, Bizman she Beis HaMikdash Kayim, Asurim Epeche Simcha Hilahem, Ein Beis HaMikdash Kayim, Mutarin Mipneche Ebal Hilahem. So ultimately, Rabbi Yossi says, no, the days of Megillah's Tainus are only Yamim Tovim when? When the Beis HaMikdash stands, but when the Beis HaMikdash is not standing, Nebo says, this is very interesting, they're mutter. Nebo say mutter in what? Mutter in what? Hesped and Tainus. Okay, so I just want to point out, it's interesting over here. They're not Yomim Tovim anymore. So both sides. So this is the fundamental Machlokis. Here you have it. Machlokis, Rabbi Meir, and Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Meir says, Megillah's Tainus. Those days are still Yomim Tovim, even in the aftermath of the Chorban. And Rabbi Yossi holds that Halacha Lamaisa, only when the Beis HaMikdash stands are they. Yomim Tovim, no Beis HaMikdash, they're not Yomim Tovim. The Hilchasa. I will say, what is the Halacha? Batlu. The halacha is, the halacha is, the halacha lamaisa, once the Beis HaMikdash is destroyed, was destroyed, the, the Yomim Tovim in Megillah's Tanis, not alone Yomim Tovim. Omar, not finished. The Hilchasa, lo batlu. And the halacha lamaisa is, Megillah's Tanis is alive and well, it's not batal. Okay? So the says, Kashi Hilchasa, Hilchasa. What do we do with that? What, what exactly, how do we reconcile that? So I'll say this is incredible. Lo Kashiach, here we go. Ha bechanaka uporim kan bishar yomi. I will say here you have it. Quite incredible. So I will say this is the entire discussion that comes to a, comes to a conclusion. In reality, in reality, really we paskin. It appears that we paskin like Rabbi Yossi, that once the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed, the Amim Tobim of Megillah's Tainus were bottle as well. Were bottle as well. So I will say with what with two exceptions. What are the two exceptions? Chanukah and Purim. Why Chanukah and Purim? Why are they the exceptions? So it goes back to what the Gemara said before, because both of those days have Pirsume Nisa. There's a publicity associated with it, and there are mitzvos that are associated with those days. Those days have taken on a quasi-da'oraisa status. And because of that, even though, again, their genesis was Megillah's Tainus, because of the publicity, because of the mitzvah, they have become so ingrained like a da'oraisa and therefore, Halach Alamai said, they are not bottle. And I will say, there's something very beautiful in this as well. What's the connection? What's the connection between the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash and the negation of Megillah's Tainus? In other words, why? Why would... So I will say, remember, Megillah's Tainus is filled with what kind of days? What kind of days? Right? Days on which miracle occur, miracles occurred. But I will say, what kind of miracles? What kind of miracles? See, it's not the supernatural miracles. Right? That, that's not what it is. Right? It's the everyday miracles, right? It's the kind of stuff, like, here we'll say, here's a perfect example, right? The 28th of Adar is a, is a Yom Tiv. Why? Because Allah said they negated a decree. Now again, could you say that that was maybe Huda ben Shamuel was very persuasive. They spoke to the Matranisa. The Matranisa spoke to someone, whatever, whatever. There's a whole bunch of stuff. There's a whole bunch of stuff that occurred, right? Chazal were able to go ahead and stop people from using the Shem Hashem on the, set, on the 3rd of Tishrei, you know, in their letters. These are not supernatural miracles, these are, these are the, what we call the natural miracles of everyday life. Shibbal saying, the beauty of the Beis HaMikdash and the power of the Beis HaMikdash 
was that it allowed us, it created a tangible presence of God in everyday life. That was the power of the Mikdash. It's not the Pshat that it was the most beautiful building. You can build beautiful buildings anywhere. Pshat of Muslachas, we will be Zoha. Right? So it's not the Pshat that's it's not even the Pshat that there's Kabanos. The power of the Besa Mikdash was that it brought the Ribono Shal Olam into everyday life. There was a divine abode in this world. And when that happens, there is a divine tangibility, Kiviyachal. There is a divine awareness. And that divine awareness allows you to see the miracles of everyday life in a much more acute fashion. I will say, what's the greatest spiritual struggle we have each and every day? It's seeing Hashem in everyday life. That's how the Shukran Aruch works. It starts, I place God before me at all times. The golden life, Balatanya writes, is to live God with constant and perpetual God awareness. To live life, sorry. With perpetual God awareness. That's the goal. If you live life with God awareness, I see Hashem, I feel Hashem, anywhere and everywhere that shapes the way I live. It shapes the way I talk. It shapes everything that I do. That was the power of the Beis HaMikdash. It brought a God awareness to this world. And what do we mourn in the absence of the Beis HaMikdash? Not a building. Buildings come and go. What we mourn in the absence of the Beis HaMikdash is the lack of that acute divine, that acute God awareness. And therefore, again, the Gemara says, with the lapse in that God awareness, Batla Megillas Tainus, all those days that were celebrations of the nuanced miracles of life, those days cease as well. Because I want to feel HaKadosh Baruch anywhere and everywhere. That's what I want. I want a life of Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Summit. That's what I want more than anything. So I daven every day for Abbas Hamikdash because I want and I want humanity to feel the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu each and every day. Halavai, we should be Zoha, Mihir Rabbi Aminu. We'll say, let's go back there. Ve'ata'elo, almost there. Ve'ata'elo, Mihir Hashanah, Ve'atishet, Mithikar Nisvodos. We'll say, bring it back to Mishnah. Back to Mishnah. So the Mishnah said, topic of the Mishnah is when they send out messengers to the outlying communities to announce the arrival of Rosh Chodesh. So remember again, they say, we go out on Elo because of Rosh Hashanah. And on Tishrei, they go again on Tishrei, ultimately again, to make sure the Yom told them on the right dates. But one second, once the witnesses, right, or once the shluchim went out to declare when Elul was, why do you have to go about on Tishrei? Now, I remember again, why is it enough to go Elul? Because Elul was always how long? 29 days. Now, again, since the time of Ezra, Elul was 29 days. So why do you have to go out again on Tishrei? Well, maybe there's the possibility that they'll go ahead and make Elul a 30-day month instead of a 29-day month. From the days of Ezra and on, we have not seen that Elul has ever been a 30-day month. So the Gemara says, It's it never happened because they didn't need to do it. But if we needed to do it, we would do it. I will say, now, interestingly enough, what would be the reason to make, to make Elul a 30-day month instead of a 29-day month? So this is incredible. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says, We'll actually see this in tomorrow's daf. I will say, listen to this. What Chazal tried to avoid is Shabbos and Yom Tiv going into each other. Why? Because we'll say, interesting enough, you see, why? Because you would have a problem. If somebody passed away, let's say you have Shabbos going into Yom Tiv, right? So if someone passed away on Shabbos, that means we wouldn't bury them until when? Until potentially, right Monday, right, right afterwards, right? Similarly, vegetables, right? If, if that means you'd have to go ahead and pick all your vegetables prior to the two-day Kiddusha, because you can't do any of that on Yom Tiv itself. So when Chazan saw that there'd be a Shabbos Yom Tiv combination, they would sometimes go ahead and add an extra day to Elul. This is fascinating. An extra day to Elul in order to avoid Shabbos and Yom Tov coming on the heels of one another. Quite fascinating. But I will say, but what's the net effect of doing that? What's the net effect of doing that? Hamakalka Rosh Hashanah. I will say, do you know what that means? That means that's fine. Anyone who lives in proximity to Yerushalayim, right? They can get word that Elul is a 30-day month. They both say, what does it mean for all the far-flung communities? Not even so far-flung. What does it mean? What does it mean? It turns out they're celebrating Rosh Hashanah on the wrong day. Right? Because remember, again, they're operating under the assumption that Elo was 29 days. 
and therefore they will observe, they will observe on day number 30, right? Then it turns out they extended Elul an extra day, and it turns out that now Rosh Hashanah got messed up for the outlying communities, to which the Rosh Hashanah something amazing. Mutav tekalka Rosh Hashanah, it is better for, for Rosh Hashanah to be messed up than what? Than to mess up all the other Yomim Tovim. Namely, Rabbi say, what else? Yom Kippur and Sukkis, right? Yom Kippur is one, which Rabbi say is such an incredible Gemara. If we had more time, I'd get into this because especially given the fact of how we learned how important Rosh Hashanah is. Kol olam ovrum maran. Right? Everybody passed universal judgment. Yet Chazal made the call that it is better for Rosh Hashanah to be messed up calendrically, to know that Yom Kippur and Sukkis are intact. You know, so therefore, again, if, so therefore, they would send out messengers again on Tishrei to announce the arrival of the month of Tishrei in the, in the unusual occurrence that they would make El a 30-day month. Now, I will say, now, again, historically, it rarely happened. But could it happen? Could it happen? Absolutely. So because it could happen, they set in place, shluchim go out for Tishrei as well. was that messengers would go out for Tishrei, so that the Yomim Tovim should be properly arranged. Good. Ultimately, again, they go out for Kislev, for Chanukah, right? so that people should know when Chanukah is. And on other, so that people should know where Purim is. And if it's an Ubiyar, what happens if it's a leap year? Like this, you know, we have Adr Aleph, Adr Beis. So what do you do? Yotzin Af Al Adr Sheni Mipnea Purim. So we'll say again, if it's a leap year, not only do they go out for Adr Aleph, but they also go out for Adr Beis. Because when is Purim observed? When is Purim observed? Second Adr. So the Gemara is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. Vilun Esabra Shani Yotzin Af Al Adr Mipnea Purim Lo Katani. So we'll say, interestingly enough, the Mishnah makes no mention about Adrasheni, right? No mention about Adrasheni. So Masnisin the Lok Rebbe, our Mishnah must not reflect the view of Rebbe. Why not? The Sanya Rebbe Omer, Imnis Abrahashana, Yotzin Af al Adrasheni, Neapurim. So Rebbe holds that in a leap year, messengers would go out for the second Adr as well. Why? Because we'll say, Purim is observed in the second Adr. Second Adr. So therefore, our Mishnah doesn't, doesn't, doesn't mention anything about Adr Shani. So it must be our Mishnah holds that for Adr Shani, the Shluchim don't go out. To which the Gemara says, Maybe they're the following Machlokes. Demar Sabra, one opinion holds, Because say, one opinion holds, i.e. the Tanavar Mishnah, that really, technically speaking, if you observed Purim in Adr Rishon, you're Yotzei. Right? Although ideally you do it in Adr Shani, Anything that you do in Adrashini, if you ended up doing in Adarishon, you are Yotze. And therefore, maybe the Tan of our Mishnah doesn't say they go out for Adrashini, because what's the worst case scenario? If you observe Purim in Adarishon, you're fine, you're fine. Omar Savar Rebbe, on the other hand, holds, Komitos Hanagos Pesheni, Ein Nagos Berishon. Rebbe holds, no, 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 no. When you have a leap year and there's an Adrashini, you can't do anything in Adarishon. And therefore, Rebbe holds, if it was a leap year, they would have to send messengers again in Adarshani because that is the real month, only month, in which you could fulfill the mitzvot of Purim. To which the Yomar says, Lo, 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 lo. It's not true. Everyone agrees that Allah said when there's a leap year, you can't perform the mitzvot of Purim in Adarishon. Right? Everyone agrees those mitzvot are only performed in Adarshani. Everyone agrees. So we'll say, here's what they argue about. Here we go. Disanyo, kama iborshana. I will say, when we add an extra month, how long is that month? Kaba iborshana. Right? So, Adarishon, how long is that? So the Gemara says, Lamed Yom. Tanakhama says 30 days. Adarishon is always a 30 day month. Rabshigumil says, Chodesh. Now, both say, we are assuming Chodesh means right now 29 days. We're assuming that's what it means, 29 days. So, Maishna Lamed. So ultimately, again, the Gemara says, Diyadi, ultimately, again, so both say, the good news is, once they know about the leap year, they automatically know the duration of the leap year, so they know exactly when to go ahead and begin Adr Shani. Chodesh Nami Yadi. So if that's the case, even if you hold that it's a 29-day, you know, as both say, as long as people always know how long Adr Aleph is, you don't have to what? Send Shluchim again for Adr Beis, as long as it's a defined amount of time. So whether it's 30 days or 29 days, it shouldn't matter. Amra Papa, no, no, no. Man Amr Chodesh, Ratzah Chodesh, Ratzah Shloshim. Now, Papa says what it means is like this. The opinion that says Chodesh holds that it can either be 29 
or 30 days. So Rebbe would hold that because it can be either, because Adar Aleph can be either 29 or 30 days, therefore what? Therefore, Halacha Lamaisa, you have to send out Shluchim again for Adar Shani. Because we'll say, remember, understand what the Havamina is. The Havamina is that the leap year is, the leap month is always Adar Aleph. And it, at first we thought that Halacha Lamaisa, there was a Machlokas, is Adar Aleph always 29 days or 30 days? Either way, the Gemara says, you shouldn't have to send out shluchim for Adar Beis. Why? Because if Adar Aleph is always a defined amount of time, Adar Beis will always come either 30 or 31 days later. To which the Gemara says, no. The opinion that says Chodesh, says Chodesh means that sometimes Adar Aleph could be 30 days, sometimes it could be 29 days, because we're not sure, because it depends on the year. Halacha Lamaisa, you send out Shluchim for other Beis. So again, Rebbe holds, you send out Shluchim for other Beis. Our Mishnah doesn't include that. We'll continue that. Tomorrow, we've caught up with the Dafyomi cycle. Incredible day. Sorry? No fasting, we caught up. No fasting, huh? <laughs> oh, sure.